what's important to the business, what are the business goals, what are the organization's values, what are they afraid of, and then what is the organizational culture like? Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. That's your own levy, CISO at Dolby, former CISO at a well-known healthcare insurance company. Hint, it's my insurance company. Investor, advisor, and all-around veteran of the industry. He's been on the show before, and uh, I don't feel like, like I need to introduce him. He helped us deconstruct the uh, SEC guidance a few shows back. But today we're talking about a topic that almost every CISO faces, and that topic is the CISO's perpetual struggle to get the organization to, as we say in Texas, give a hoot. Every CISO has at some point been up against apathy for the cybersecurity cause or against disinterest in investing in InfoSec. At a minimum, every CISO has seen a disparity in priorities of cybersecurity in the eyes of the organizational leadership. As a result of this, every single CISO I know is part evangelist, part salesperson, part missionary, uh, in addition to all the other security stuff that they actually need to do to complete their job. So today we're going to explore a contrarian view um, that maybe the CISO doesn't need to engage all that disinterest, and maybe those skills that the CISO has perfected in terms of sales and evangelizing and all that uh, are maybe not even required. Yaron uh, and I are going to explore the question, is it even our job to make them care? So, Yaron, uh, I, I, I normally would ask the guest, please introduce yourself, but you've been on the show before, so I'll summarize for you, uh, and I'll flatter you, which you can't do for yourself. I'm going to say Yaron is a very established CISO. Yaron is very smart, very much the sort who can ask the deeper questions around our craft. And, uh, Yaron, that's my intro of you. Thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Thank you, Alan. Always a pleasure to be here, and now I'm uh, blushing, I mean, from all the... Uh... <laughs> No, for what the compliments. So thank you very much. Always a pleasure to be here. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford, president and CISO at Alan Alford Consulting. So let's start with a basic question. How did this whole conversation happen? Because it started with you and I having a conversation, which led to me doing a LinkedIn post, which led to us recording this show. What was the impetus behind this whole, is it even our job to care kind of question? Yeah, I think it was a buildup of several things that I've ran into recently. Um, I had a lot of conversations with people in the industry about uh, CISO's burnout. And I think there was a report that came out recently and then, you know, you kind of hear the stories about budget cuts and layoffs and, you know, the sentiment where security is luxury for companies, especially this, you know, this time with the economic downturn and, you know, companies can only afford security where the economy is booming, but right now not so much. And then a couple of weeks ago, I read a post on Reddit where someone declared that after 20 years in InfoSec, they had enough. And, you know, they are leaving the industry, you know, to preserve their soul and their mental health. So what was even more interesting were the, I think there were like over a hundred comments and replies from other people uh, that basically expressed kind of the same thing. And they said, companies don't really care. So it made me think if companies don't really care, as people suggest, is it even our job to make them care? Right. Hence the discussion here today. I love it. Okay. So I'm going to start with one of the premises kind of behind all this questioning, which is that... Um, and, and this is a common complaint I hear from a lot of CISOs. We talk about how we're the only one in the C-suite 
that have to have the sales and evangelism for the mission itself. In other words, a chief marketing officer doesn't have to sell the company on the value of marketing itself. They may have to sell specific marketing initiatives, but the concept of marketing and the value of marketing is understood. The CRO doesn't have to explain to people why generating revenue matters. The CFO doesn't have to explain why managing finances matters. Are we truly the only C-suite who have to evangelize the mission itself? Hmm. Yeah, I think there is some truth to that, but I heard similar sentiments from other executives too, I mean, throughout the years. So I don't think we are very, very unique in that in that regards. Uh, it's probably more company-specific, the universal truth, but we, we need to remember that security is relatively new business function compared to finance or sale or marketing, you know, et cetera, right? And, and still in many cases, it's largely misunderstood. So I think this goes back to something that, you know, you spoke about, Alan, many, many times in the past, where the practice of finance, for example, is pretty standard, right? Mm -hmm. Finance has the gap rules. We don't have gas rules, right? Yeah. So what is more, cybersecurity has only been around for what? 20, 20-ish yeah. years, give or take? Uh, so still very new or very young uh, compared to other, to other you know, professions. That makes, that makes good sense. That, that's, and and there's a, if, if you're new, you're selling. Um, I'm sure the first CFO when Gap came along had to explain why Gap mattered and why the business should adopt right. it. And, you know, I'll bet, I'll bet there were some challenges there. So that's, that's a fair call out. Number one, standards don't exist yet. Number two, we're so new that whatever we do have for standards, we're having to sort of, you know, get people educated and informed. I think that's a totally fair call out. So I posted the question on LinkedIn, right? The whole big question, is it even our job to care? And I did it not so much because I have an answer to that question, but it was more of a thought-provoking exercise, a, a thought exercise, a devil's advocacy, I even said at one point. Uh, I was hoping folks would come up with some really smart arguments against this idea that we should quit trying to get them to care. And I pointed out that what we're actually doing uh, when we try to get them to care about cyber is what we're actually saying is that we're getting them to adjust their defined risk tolerance. In other words, mm -hmm. whether it's been formally measured or just instinctively held, it's really every organization's understanding of its risk tolerance for cybersecurity events that we're trying to move the needle on here, right? Is that when we say, I want to make you care more about cybersecurity, aren't we really just saying, I want you to alter your risk tolerance for cybersecurity risk? Is that, is that fair? Yeah, I, yeah, it's fair. I think, um, yeah, yeah, it's fair, but I think there are several things that we need to unpack here. Mm -hmm. So first, does the organization understand the cyber risk? And I would argue that most organizations understand it anecdotally, but not systemically. Right. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, when you think about a systemic risk, it's it's a failure of one component that takes the entire system down, mm -hmm. right? So if you think about like the subprime mortgage back in, you know, 2008, it was one failure of the subprime, you know, component right. that almost took the entire, you know, global financial sector down, right? I mean, so... And it was really, really difficult I mean, to see that. I mean, some people call it black swans or whatever, but it, it's kind of the same thing, right? Anecdotally here and there, yes, we may understand some risks, but understanding completely how they um, may impact the entire system, that's, that's really, really hard to do. And, and it's not easy. I mean, you can do it looking backwards, but when you're trying to do it looking forwards, I mean, that's much more difficult. So painting that picture for cyber is not easy. And it's difficult to make someone care about something they don't they know nothing about. Right. So that's the first challenge. Um, it starts with the risk tolerance conversation, mm -hmm. um, but even before the CISO, and, and I think it starts even before the CISO takes the role. So yes. it's not very much about whether the business cares or not, but what does the business care about? 
And I think you need to understand that before you even come to the company. When you interview, when you ask the questions, ask the question like, what do you care about? What is this business about? Right. What is your why? Well, you know, what matters to you, right? Because that's where you want to start from, what matters to them. And then what the business cares about drives the motivation. And I think when one interviews, again, as I mentioned, to the position, you need to ask a lot of questions in order to uncover that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I mean, you are interviewed and they're asking you a bunch of questions, but I think you also need to ask, um, you know, a lot of those questions back, right? And then when you uncover and you understand that better, you need to ask yourself whether what the organization cares about aligns with what you care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it doesn't, it may not be the organization for you. So I think that transparency is, is the key for, for both sides. I like that. I like that a lot. And that actually ties into some of the questions I've got for you further down uh, in the path as we kind of deconstruct some of the LinkedIn feedback. I think you've already addressed some of that. So uh, summarizing, it's important to understand, and, and this is something, you know, stepping back a little bit, every good CISO should know that you have to align with the business. Every good CISO should know that you have to understand the cares and concerns of the person on the other side of the table when you're negotiating for budget or whatever the conversation might be. In other words, this is this is business leader 101 stuff to me that that you know it's like hey, find out what they care about, you know, make sure you're aligned with what the overall organization cares about and make sure you're evangelizing, selling, arguing, missionary work, whatever you want to call it is all in alignment with those precepts, right? Like I think that's part and parcel of it. You're, you're even deconstructing it at a before you take the reins as the CISO level, which I think is really critical. I think that's so, so super smart. We, we forget that we didn't just randomly receive this CISO job. We asked for it. Right. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I, think, I think you're speaking to that piece of it right there, right? Um, yeah. But let's, let's tackle the question head on. Let's, let's do the devil's advocacy here thing. So even if we can align with their needs and their business, and even if we can understand their needs and their business, like should we still bother trying to change the needle to, to move the risk tolerance needle? Um, what if we declare that we're going to execute per the tolerance guardrails we've been handed, even if they're poorly defined? We quit trying to sell the business on the need. We, we just execute to what we have where we have it, right? Business says, I don't care about that. Great. You don't care about that. That's one less project for me to have to manage, one less hassle I have to deal with, right? Elaborate plainly the reality of the risk one time. You know, hey, guys, just you know, so you know, if we don't do this one thing, we're running the risk of blah, 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 blah. And to your point, which could impact the business goals of blah, 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 and ties into the care you have of blah, 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 blah. You know, go through it one time. And then let the organization make the call and then get on with our lives, right? Wouldn't this take a huge load off of our shoulders? Um, you know, a lot of what we perceive to be the job is the battle. And, and I wonder if we didn't just say, okay, hey, I, I, I gave you the inputs you needed. I gave them to you in a way you needed to hear them. You chose a different answer than I would have chosen, but we're done. Should we bother going past that point? You know, it's a great question. Um... Did you watch the movie uh, The Recruit with Al Pacino? Yes. And and there's a um, there's a part when all the new recruits are coming, you know, to the farm, which is kind of you know, the CIA's you know training facility, right? Yep. And he has this opening speech about why are we here? Yeah. And I'm not gonna go to the whole thing, but I think it's funny. It's kind of you know aligned with what we do, right? Like why are we here? And then he goes about like you know how they don't make much money. As a CIA officers, you know, and you can get shot, and if you're failing, nobody knows, etc., etc., etc. And then he says, "We're here because 
we believe in good and evil, and we choose good. So I think in many ways, right, it's, it's kind of similar to, to where we are. But in all, serious, in all seriousness, um, I don't think our job is to sell on the need. Mm-hmm. I, I think our goal is to educate and advise on the risk. So my ultimate goal is to be a trusted advisor to the business. Mm-hmm. And as a trusted advisor, I have to start with what's important to them, right? So I don't want to be a you know, doomsday prophet. Um, that doesn't help. Um, you know, go to biblical times. All those prophets were trying, I mean, to pre- you know, forecast the doomsday and most of them got killed because of that. So <laughs> I don't think that's you know, what, uh, what we're trying to do, right? We've learned that model uh, isn't so sustainable. <laughs> I think we just need to learn from the mistakes of the past, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, you talked about the nobility of the job and, and for me, it's, you know, it's the why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same way that one shouldn't join the military because they enjoy fighting, uh, they should join because, you know, they're committed to defend their country. It's it's the, kind of the same reason. I mean, you right. join and you want to do this because it's bigger than oneself. It's not just about you. Yeah. It's about kind of, you know, the, the collective. So our case, I don't think it's different. Uh, we are part of the business. And our job is to help the business manage the risk, again, as a trusted advisor. Yeah. So I don't think that our job is to make them care, but rather give them something to care about. All right, let's pause right there for a little over-the-top, Texas-style word from our sponsor. Howdy, y'all. Asset management for IT and security sure ain't easy, and our networks are fixing to get more complex. But I reckon there's a better way of doing things, and it starts with Axonius. Axonius helps you lasso everything in your environment, devices, users, software, and more, to provide an always up-to-date inventory, uncover gaps, and automate action. You want a free walkthrough of the platform? Head on over to axonius.com get Dash A dash tour. That's A X O N I U S dot com slash get dash A dash tour. Are we being defeatist by going with that answer, right? Is 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 it you know, oh here I'm just to advise you, like have we defeated ourselves by making that call? No, because um, we're not giving up, right? And, and we cannot afford to give up. I mean, we're, we're definitely here, I mean, for a mission, and, and it's an important mission, you know, of, of what we need to do. Um, but we need to find the right alignment. So if you start with the end in mind and work backward from there, right? Mm-hmm. So what's important to the business? What are the business goals? What are the organization's values? Mm-hmm. What are they afraid of? And then what is the organizational culture like? Oh, that is right, because, so important, that last question. Right? Because, you know, Peter Drucker, yeah. uh, culture eats, you know, strategy for breakfast, right? right. Um, and, and when you look at all of those different things, and I get it. I mean, sometimes it's very difficult to get that during an interview, perhaps, or, you know, things like that. But our community is fairly small. Yeah. And you can reach out to people and you can ask some questions and you can get a fair... Um, I would say feel for like, you know, what the culture is or, or maybe, right? Mm-hmm. And, and when you get all of that, um, then you can ask yourself some questions around, does your why align with what it's important to the business? Yes. Right? And then do your values align with the organization values? And then can you integrate with the culture? And if you answer no to any of these questions, then it's probably the wrong place for you. Yeah. So don't even start, right? Um, but if you have the alignment, then I think you will be able to succeed. And uh, if you don't, it's not going to work. I, I love it. Um, 
you're you're referencing uh, a concept that Malcolm Harkins, who I'm actually interestingly enough, uh, he was one of the commenters on the thread that I really want to quote. Um, but he's got this thing he calls, and I want to make sure I'm getting it right. I believe I belong. I matter. Mm-hmm. And the whole principle behind this is you are, um, you know, do you believe? Like step one is, do you believe? And believe is, do you believe in the mission? Do you believe in the goal? Do you believe in the team? Do you believe in the personalities? You know, this is, I believe. I belong. Is, is this truly a place that I fit? To your point, are my values aligned with the values of this organization? I believe I belong. And I matter. The organization cares about me and my mission, and I walk away feeling like I made a difference, right? These are hugely important Absolutely. things that I think we sometimes neglect, and I think a lot of times when we find ourselves in that, and I don't want to call it whining, but that whining position of, you know, oh, oh is it even my job to make them care? They don't care, and they're not going to care. Da, 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 da. You may be in a place where the I believe I belong, I matter has failed you, right? Right, right, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think you shouldn't even overlook that uh, at the beginning because, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe it's not, but I can convince them to be different or, you know, it's going to change or it's going to be okay. Not always. Right, Um, right. There are some cases where it does change. um, And usually it's because some kind of an external trigger or some other reason. Right. Uh, But in most cases, it doesn't. Uh, Right. And I think you can see that when you look at organization where, Maybe you have a CISO that changes every year, year and a half. Yeah. As opposed to organizations when you see the CISO there for, let's say, three, four plus years. Right, right, right. You're right. There's a, there's a good tell right there. So it's interesting that you say that Simon Goldsmith was one of the commenters on the LinkedIn thread. And he's, um, what is he, InfoSec director over at OVO. And I, I love his stuff. Every time he comments on LinkedIn, I always stop to read it. Uh, he said, and I think he was challenging our problem statement with this whole line of questioning. He said, I think of it less as an indifference and more as a risk overload where the more familiar risks receive greater assessment and treatment attention. Some orgs are also a lot better at surfacing risk to the point that an organizational risk tolerance forces an accept or treat decision. Uh, I think this is really compelling. This kind of ties to what you were saying about um, it's aligning with the whole what do they care about, right? In other words, there's risks coming all over the place, and some of those risks are cyber risk. Have you really articulated the cyber risk versus a standard risk in a different format they're used to seeing that might be a standard business risk or a standard financial risk or whatever it might be? So I think Simon has kind of challenged the problem statement in the first place, saying it's not about people not caring about risk. It's, it's about people caring about risk by a different method or a different priority than what you're maybe used to. And, and so I, I would assume then the challenge is, you know, as the cyber practitioner, fit your risk into that model, which I think is what you've been saying this whole time. Yeah. I think Simon brings an interesting point because, um, you know, it may be part of it. Communicating the systemic risk, as I mentioned above, it's not easy, right? And it's largely misunderstood. And also, um, it's not enough just to highlight the risks, but also uh, we need to propose, you know, the mitigations, right? Mm -hmm. So several years ago uh, in a different company, um, I communicated a risk to the leadership about some project, you know, that um, it was a strategic project for the company. That's something we were working on. And one of the execs told me, he said, you know, Yaron, you worry too much. And I said, well, it's my job, right, to worry too much. I mean, that's what you guys pay me for. But at the same time, it's our job collectively is to figure out if my worries are warranted or not. Right. And you know, he respected that. And he said, okay, yeah, that's fine. I, I I like the way that, you know, at least to highlight that, we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. We can make a decision mm-hmm. and move from there. 
That's a, I think that's fair. That's a great way to put it. I, I'm, you know, I the, the way I phrase that first part is I'm paid to be paranoid, right? Like, right. <laughs> anybody calls me paranoid, I'm like, I'm paid to be paranoid. Uh, that right. is my job. I am, in fact, paid to worry about the worst case situation in all matters, exactly. all the time, always. Yeah. I'm paid to be paranoid. Um, but that's not to say I'm not uh, dumb. I, I'm not self-centered. I'm not this person who thinks that my way or the highway is the only way, right? Um, I'm going to I'm gonna definitely dialogue and say, hey, I know I'm paranoid, but here's the paranoid perspective. Deal with it as you shall. Right. Let's have a conversation, right? So uh, full agreement with you there, and I think Simon brought up a really good point. Um, Kevin Pope, uh, he's the founder and CEO over at Arcasec LLC. He agreed with the premise. Unlike S- Simon, he didn't challenge it at all. He said, it's not our job to try to steer the ship, but to simply yell iceberg. Um, which I'm assuming, of course, is the Titanic reference there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sitting at the front of the ship yelling, iceberg! Uh, is that truly our job? It, it sounds like you and I have already gotten past um, agreeing with Kevin here on, in our conversation. I can see where Kevin is coming from, and, and I agree, but I don't agree completely. Okay. Because I think uh, yelling iceberg is, is part of our job, uh, but the other part is to help you know chart the course around the icebergs. Right. Right. So if the captain doesn't care about the icebergs to begin with, I don't want to be on that. I don't want to be on that. That's ship. not the ship you want to be on. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but if we are on that ship, I mean, we better be sure that, yeah, the captain cares and, you know, we help them navigate around it, um, you know, because we are part of the team. We are part of, you know, the, the steering team. Right. We we, we need to be really careful. Um, and I see that often in our industry from becoming the us versus them. Yes. We are them. Yes. Right. So we need to be part of it. We need to help chart, you know, the course. We need to be helped, you know, to, to uh, avoid, help to avoid uh, avoiding the icebergs. And if we see one, yeah, yell iceberg. But that's, also, that's not our only job. Yeah. Okay. I think we're in agreement on that one. Um, now, I'm going to return to another bit about the LinkedIn thread, too. And I think truly you've already addressed this one. But this idea that, you know, several folks pointed out, you know, what I thought would hopefully be obvious to all CISOs. Uh, we need to understand the organizational goals and align to them in order to sell sell them better, right? Um, mm-hmm. That selling our priorities versus their competing priorities, you need to acknowledge what their competing priorities are. And there were quite a few folks in the LinkedIn thread that pointed these two things out. Um, I think it's absolutely integral to the conversation. Um, if you're going to whine about having to sell as a CISO and then and then ignore those two things – the real thing you should be whining about is why do I suck at selling, right? Because at the end of the day, any good salesperson will tell you, know who you're selling to and why, know what their objectives and interests are, know how what you're selling them aligns to those, and be able to articulate that any salesperson in any role of selling any idea, product, or anything should be following those fundamental sales rules, right? Don't just go screaming at people, you need to buy my big black box, you need to buy my right. big black box. You know, like, it's hey, are you interested in boxes? What do you feel about the color black? How do you feel about a size size of a big box versus a small? Oh, right. I've got the big black box for you. You know, it's just basic sales 101. A lot of people felt the need to point that out, and, and I don't think that was to point out the obvious. I think it's to ensure that those of us who sometimes fall into that trap of whining aren't necessarily um, holding ourselves accountable when we're whining, right? That's that's the yeah. spirit in which I took those comments. Right, and, and I think you're absolutely right. So... You know, I, I think there's always going to be competing priorities. Yeah. I mean, that's a fact, right? I mean, we, we need to be um, we need to be comfortable 
operating in, in chaos because, you know, business are moving, you know, fast. Things are changing all the time. I mean, there's always going to be chaos. There's no, no, it's never going to be perfect. You know, and, and when I think about my priorities, my biggest struggle is usually to decide what not to do now. Mm. So deciding what to do, that's easy. Deciding what not to do is much more difficult. Uh-huh. Right? So again, to your point about if I have a black box that I'm selling, which of the features do I sell and which of the features I don't sell or don't even develop now? Right. Because again, depends on like what's important to, to my client. Right. right. So we need to be comfortable with that chaos. We need to understand that, yes, no matter what, we'll never be able to do everything we need or want mm-hmm. um, and, and make the decisions and, you know, about what we're going to compromise on. Right on. Um, and if there are some hills that we need to die on, so be it. But um, that's usually not the difficult decision. <laughs> it seems like what not to heal, what not heal to heal to try and overtake. So, yeah, that's the other one. That's awesome. All right. I'm going to close this out with the last comment from LinkedIn. Uh, we mentioned Malcolm. I already mentioned his I Believe I Belong, I Matter. Uh, Malcolm's the former CISO at Intel, former CISO at Silence. Uh, he's in a bunch of different roles, veteran of the industry, well-established uh, player in the industry for sure, friend of mine as well. Um, and he shut down the whole line of questioning in, in a way that I thought was so awesome and so powerful. Because on my original LinkedIn post, I said, you know, basically along the lines of, please prove me wrong. Like, what I want to hear from you guys is an argument that just crushes this this whining sense of should we even make right. them care? Like, like. <laughs> Give me an answer that says, yes, we should make them care. Malcolm had the strongest and best of all those answers on the thread. Here's what he said. He said, if you have something to fight for, you have something to fight with. And it is a fight internally on the battlefield of budgets, bureaucracy, and behaviors as much as it is a fight on the external battlefield with threat actors. So the bottom line for me, he says, if you are not fighting, get off the field. You are just getting in the way. I thought that was so cool. I just thought, man, there's Malcolm just swinging his bat. What's what's your take on that one? Oh, yeah. First of all, I love Malcolm. Um, I last saw him at RSA, and I always value his perspective. I mean, that's, you know, um, those pearls of wisdom that are coming out, yeah, uh, priceless. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And uh, if you have something, you know, worth fighting for, then you have something to fight with. And uh, this is your why. And uh, as, as we mentioned before, I mean, this is, you know, larger than just, you know, oneself. Yep. Um, I can also appreciate when somebody, somebody no longer wishes to fight. And, um, you know, everyone has a breaking point. And if you want to get off the field, that's okay. Uh, but you mentioned the word accountable earlier. Yeah. So be accountable for yourself. Don't be the victim of the circumstances. I love it. Right. So, yeah, make the decision. If it's right for you to quit fighting, go ahead and do it. If you don't want to do this anymore, go ahead and do something else. Right on. And and why are we here? We are here because we believe in good and evil. And because we, we believe to be good. <laughs> exactly. And and that's it. That's our why. That's our that's our nobility of purpose and cause and what should fuel us and keep us going, even when the business is going, no, we don't care. Um, we should always remember that. Always fall back on that. You're here in this industry, you're here in this profession for a reason. And that reason is a darn good one. So Absolutely. That's it. All right. Well, your own. thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now. 